is a new Overwatch event that is leaked called Insurrection, mm-hmm. which I think is going to make you guys very happy. It is um, a does flashback. It, does it give you an Insurrection? It gives me a oh, massive, boy. massive Insurrection. Okay. Um, Wait, is that a? Is that the? I don't know that I've ever heard Scott do a joke like that, like <laughs> out in front of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> make make a make a dick joke. Yeah, it's usually prompted by Ash or something. Right. Welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode number 268, and I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Scott. And I'm Ash. And we're all back together. We did it. We Yay. did it. We're together again. Mm-hmm. This is, Welcome uh, back, man. Didn't, hey. you, uh, didn't you fall down and hurt yourself or something last week? I forgot what we said happened to you. <laughs> oh, I, I, haven't, I, I haven't had a chance to listen yet. I said I you had you the shivers. Or you had the shivers. That's right. You were the just shivers. you were shivering <laughs> someplace. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's warm here now. It was seventy today. Ain't no shivering anymore. Oh, okay. That's good. Welcome yeah. back to the land of warmth. I know. Indeed. Uh, let's see. So we're going to talk about uh, Star Wars Celebration, which is in like three days, and yeah. um, the Scorpio hardware reveal. We'll talk a little bit about Thor and Overwatch, and then um, I will review the game Snake Pass, which I talked about from uh, from PAX. Uh, we'll have some additional thoughts on Mass Effect Andromeda, and Matt played a game called Ticket to Earth, which I'm really interested in hearing because the the uh, art in that game looks really awesome. It's a mobile game. Yeah, I hundred percented it too, guys. Nice, man. You ready for this? Nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to get it. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So this episode is brought to you by Audible. You can um, help support the show and get a free audiobook download by going to audibletrial.com slash rated NA. And uh, I think if you're a new subscriber and you sign up for a subscription, you get one book for free and then you can cancel after that or stay on. You get to keep your book either way. Um, my pick uh, continues to be Mass Effect Andromeda Nexus Uprising, which is sort of the prequel novel to the mass effect andromeda video game and it kind of tells the backstory oh. of yeah it's cool it tells the backstory of what happened on the nexus before you got there and That's um cool. yeah because they kind of mention it in in dialogue when you first get to the nexus when you're talking to everybody but um it and i've heard other people say this too now it really gives you an appreciation for actually all of the people that are on the nexus because when you meet them for the first time you're kind of just walking into a conversation but this um this book will kind of tell you how everything went down and you know how people woke up and what happened and there's a you know they talk about sort of a an insurrection that happened on the ship um the story uh centers mostly around the um security officer sloan kelly who um as you probably know like there are a lot of a lot of stuff went down when the nexus first showed up as well as when your own ship first showed up and so everyone kind of got thrust into different positions and she was the a security director on the Nexus at the time. I'm actually dealing with her in the game right now. Yeah, and it really it really gives you an appreciation for her. Like I think that if you were to listen to the audiobook, you'd probably come out on the other side really liking her as a person, as a character. And um it kind of just gives you some color on other characters too, like um like Tan and um I really I really had an appreciation for the um director of colonial affairs, what is her name? Uh Foster, oh, I forget Foster right now. Addison. 
yeah, Addison, um, yeah. factors heavily into the book as well. So that's my that's my um, audible pick right now is Mass Effect Andromeda Nexus Uprising. For those that didn't listen last week, the other the other cool selling point for the audiobook specifically is that it's um, read by Frida Wolf, who is the female female um, writer writer in the game. Yep, I almost said Shepard. Awesome. It's hard to not say uh, female Shepard. And um, yeah, so you can support the show. Go to audibletrial.com slash rated NA and uh, sign up and get a, a free audiobook download. My pick is Mass Effect Andromeda Nexus Uprising. News. Uh, so we're going to Star Wars Celebration in a couple days. Hooray. You guys are. Wham, uh, wham. Well, I mean, you have an excuse. You are thousands of miles away. Is it's it thousands? weekend, man. It's a thousand yeah, oh, I looked it's it up Easter, once it's from Easter weekend. Drive. Yeah, it yeah, is that's Easter why the weekend. flights are like through the roof. So oh man, mm-hmm. we yeah. we got oh, that's that's such a bummer. But yeah, so we'll we'll be bummed. We're gonna have to replace you with like some hobo off the street or something that's because fine. we don't we don't have a third. So we're gonna I mean, try and find somebody last minute. A hobo off the street would be like pretty on par, right? That's, <laughs> that's about if you set the bar too high, I can't come back after that. So <laughs> hobo true. on the street sounds good to me. Hey, he might be a comedic genius. You never oh, know. No. <laughs> fill, fill your shoes permanently. No, like, no, no. Don't get a comedic genius hobo. Just, <laughs> like, just like a regular hobo off the street. That's what we're saying, right? Like the the one with the uh, the rucksack, right? What's the... Um, bindle. Like, a bindle. The, yeah. A bindle, yeah. yeah. For a guy with a bindle. His name could be like Old old Gus. Yeah, we're like, Old right. Gus. All right, yeah. I'm Old Gus, and you're listening to the Radio NA podcast, Homeward yeah, yeah. Bound. I'm sure And you know what? Honestly, he can have my pay for the episode. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Your, your shillings yeah um so i guess we're gonna quickly run down some of the the bigger things that are happening in star wars celebration and um and you know some exciting stuff uh we are we are podcasting from celebration on the first day so we talked about this a little bit last week but um scott and myself and uh old gus will be there doing a live show <laughs> and we're gonna be talking about uh i guess we're kind of still coming up with what our show is really going to be scott so well, it's, we'll it's, have to figure that out before it'll, we do it it will be our show but just it with, will be our with some colorful character from iDrive joining us for the yeah old for Gus the, for the event old Gus most likely old Gus um, yes the but, not uh, too funny old Gus <laughs> not not too funny old Gus but <laughs> but um, interestingly we're we're kicking off the whole podcast uh, podcast series at celebration so we're the we are what what would you call us the the opener the warm up we are we're the opening 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 twenty one times act. No, we we are. I've said this. We, I said this last week. We are welcoming everybody to it is to yeah. celebration guys, as the local the featured, podcast. We're the featured Thursday podcast at noon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's exactly. precisely what we are. <laughs> yes. But anyway, it's pretty exciting. Um, there's not a ton of programming going on at that time. We are actually um, we are crossing over with the uh, the the forty years of Star Wars panel, meaning that we're not actually doing a crossover episode but our times are overlapping one another so the biggest panel arguably of the entire <laughs> of, the entire, of the entire show is happening at the same time as our wee little podcast but i think um, you need to say the biggest podcast that's happening the entire show is crossing over with that wee little panel yeah i like i, I love it. this i love this bravado maybe we it's should wonderful. just we should just read the live tweets from that panel on our podcast <laughs> for the people I know, that's please, where like all, all the please. breaking news is gonna happen we're like all right so all we're doing is uh, we're going to play the live stream. 
<laughs> that would be absolutely like that's comedic genius. Just start yeah. reading the things that are going. Let's just on read the, the Twitter stream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So quickly, I just wanted to run down some of the some of the big panels and things going on at Celebration. Obviously, Celebration's crazy. It's uh, so much fun if you're a Star Wars fan. And I feel like this right now, like we are in a, a really spectacular time uh, for Star Wars. Um, you know, we have Rebels going on. We have new movies. We have all sorts of new merch and new exciting stuff. Um, but the first panel that's kind of kicking it all off is a 90-minute panel um, called 40 Years of Star Wars. And it's going to be, apparently, they're bringing everybody in. So um, rumor has it that George Lucas is going to make an appearance. Obviously, Mark Hamill. Uh, Hayden Christensen is actually making his first convention appearance, I think, since uh, since the movie's ended. So he hasn't been to any since... Uh, um, since episode three came out. Wow. So that's going to be kind of cool. Uh, there is a rumor floating around that you and McGregor is actually going to be a celebration. Oh, I'll, um, I'll, I'll leave our podcast to go to that panel. If that's the case, I know you're going to totally, you're going <laughs> to totally snog with you and McGregor. Yeah, for this sure. This could be the greatest comedic episode we've ever done. If you guys read tweets and then the moment they're like, you and McGregor walks in and Scott just gets up and walks out of the podcast. Just- we just leave, yeah. Ash is yeah. just sitting by himself. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Just monologuing. You and, old, you and not too funny old Gus just start riffing <laughs> on Star Wars. Oh, man. I hope old Gus really does come. Anyway, um, so 40 years of Star Wars is the, the big one on Thursday. And honestly, it's kind of this big top secret panel at this point. No one knows what it's going to consist of. Just it is really long. And some of the names already attached to it are pretty awesome. And, and there's supposed to be a lot of special guests. So that's pretty exciting. Um, on Friday, Mark Hamill is doing a tribute to Carrie Fisher, which is obviously going to be super somber and sad. But hopefully, um, since she was such a funny lady, hopefully they bring a little bit of humor to a very sad thing because that's probably what she would have wanted so mm-hmm. um i'm anticipating a lot of mark hamill's um personal photographs because that's something he's been leaking and over the past couple years uh i don't know if you guys are where you probably know this but um for a long time the um lucas told mark hamill not to show his personal photos from the creation of the star wars saga and he has a ton he took a lot of pictures he's like you know a big photographer so he actually over the past couple years has been releasing photos just onto the internet so like i think a couple months ago he released the first picture ever taken of luke skywalker in costume wow cool uh, which was really neat he was out in tunisia with a whole costume on except for like he had like his own pants on i think (laughs) which is why they didn't want him to like show it you know because it wasn't the complete costume it was like a half costume Mm -hmm. so i'm anticipating a lot of pictures um and a lot of great stories. He's a great, uh, if you've ever seen Mark Hamill speak, he's just fantastic on stage. You know, he's a, he's a showman. He's a, he's an actor's actor. So anything he really, uh, gets to do is, is pretty fantastic, especially on stage stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, Friday is, I guess the one that I am most excited about is the last Jedi panel. Uh, what do you guys think they're going to show off? Nothing. <laughs> That's what they do they, they, every single time. They tease you, and uh, you'll see like you'll see like a title, and uh, like uh, I would say less than five seconds of something, and everyone's going to go yeah. And I, I mean, I'm going to go yeah too, but. Um, that's what they like to do. They always tease you a little bit, you know, something. You don't. You don't think we're going to get a trailer? We, I mean, uh, I think we'll get like a three second clip of like Ray and igniting a lightsaber or something like that. That's my so guess. You don't think we're going to get the, the official trailer at celebration? Uh, well, let's see. Let me think about that. Well, there was a trailer. It's, it's April. It's April and we're only going to December. So I think we'll get like 30 seconds. How's that? 30 seconds. Yeah. Like a teaser, teaser, teaser. Yes. yes. A teaser for sure. Oh man. I'm excited. I'm, I'm totally excited. Like I, I for some reason I'm, I'm probably 
more amped for episode eight than I was for episode seven. I don't mm. know why. I just I'm just like incredibly excited for. Well, the hopefully last we've Jedi. already hopefully we've already covered all the all the you know background stuff. We don't need to like hopefully we don't need to retread anything else. You know for for new fans I guess or right, for, for yeah. member berries or whatever. And now we can just really like get into it. And I think that's what's going to make episode eight super awesome. Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah. I'm really excited for that. <clears throat> Plus, you know, hopefully some of the cast shows up. That'd be cool to see them in person. I don't think I've ever seen them on a panel or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that, that would be really cool. Yeah, to that'd see. be great. I think the cast is pretty spectacular. Um, so Saturday night is uh, a thing that I absolutely loved. Um, I went to this. Uh, I think two celebrations ago. The last one that was in Orlando is the. It was called Smuggler's Bounty back then, but now it's called Smuggler's Revenge. It's an audio play. I think it's about sixty to ninety minutes. They do an all original Star Wars, um, Star Wars uh, story that they that they script just for this event, and they only air it one time. And it's um, you get a bunch of actors and voice actors together to read these these parts, and you actually go through a whole audio adventure with them with sound effects and everything. So it's really really cool. Last time they had like, um, you know, a lot of the audio cast from uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, and of course, you know, some some old cast members were there too. And it's just a, a fantastic like you know, immersive little adventure to sit through. Um, and that is a Saturday night. It's called smugglers revenge audio play. And I don't know, maybe smugglers bounty did eventually pop up on the internet. So you might want to look that up if you're into audio plays and stuff, but that was really great. And, um, Saturday is also the star Wars rebels season four sneak peek, which, uh, I am excited for. I know you guys are a little bit behind on rebels, but season three ended with a almost one hour, um, galactic battle that was just absolutely fantastic Sweet. and uh, a lot of cliffhangers since I think season four is really going to bridge the, the gap and come even closer to uh, to uh, you know some of the, the canonical stuff that we're used to so I think you know season four of Rebels is just going to be mind-blowingly awesome so can't wait for that great I just finished uh, Clone Wars <sighs> congratulations man yeah. did you watch the yeah. sixth the lost season the lost episodes the 13 episodes yeah sixth with, season? like some of them feature yoda specifically yeah sure. like yeah, I, yeah. I really like those i uh, thought those were great that's actually what i was going to bring up that like it's kind of fantastic that they made yoda realize he's an asshole kind of, you know, like, <laughs> yeah right really i mean that's really what was going on at the end there it was this guy who's been sort of full of hubris about how he runs the jedi and then it's like oh i am not aware of like things that are happening and, and i'm too blinded by myself to really like you know, realize the truth kind of thing. Yeah. But it's too, like, it, he wasn't late, a so. failed leader in the end. Right. Like he yeah. totally like Palpatine was better. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, honestly, like if yeah. you really, yes, absolutely. Like everybody loves Yoda, but things went pretty wrong at the end there. So, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, I thought the season was great. I'm excited to start rebels now, but, um, but yeah, very good. It's definitely good stuff. I actually wanted to say about celebration. I think it's really cool because last time I went was, four years ago i think four. that was the, the last time i was here right it was like three yeah or four no years. you guys went without me last time oh, i was here okay and then i went the time before that i think mm-hmm. right okay was it or was it the last time it was in orlando anyways it was less a celebration of current age star wars and more literally a celebration of, of pre-existing star wars so i think it's sort of kind of amazing that you're getting to go and, and we're getting to do a show in the middle of like this new, you know, resounding yeah, love it's like live of, again. of this property. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be yeah, great. It's, it's crazy. 
So we'll, we'll uh, we're going to be recording the episode, um, you know, live from from there. So we'll share it with you guys. I'll tweet and, it, uh, you guys, while you're doing it. You can yeah, read please, my, please my do. hilarious tweets. That would be great. It'll be exciting. It'll be exciting. Well, let's let's shift you. gears. I'll tweet you. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> All right. Tweet. Anyways, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the Scorpio. Yes. What? So um, yeah. Digital Foundry got an exclusive look at the uh, Xbox Scorpio hardware. I guess. I think I think the the person that was there, the team that was there from Digital Foundry, may have actually seen a, a built unit, but that's they weren't allowed to talk about it uh, on their right. in their news. But it was really just focused on the hardware. And Digital Foundry is the one is the the group that really like evaluates a lot of the the hardware and the gaming hardware. And they talk about they really get really deep into the woods regarding hardware specs and like different kinds of like graphical effects and load times and all that kind of benchmarking stuff. So. Um, the exclusive was uh, revealed on Eurogamer.net, and um, I guess like the the high level points is that it is, um, you know, spec wise the most powerful console that will be available um, mm-hmm. once it is launched. Um, it's got a lot of customized components. I, I there's a video that you can watch where the uh, representative from Digital Foundry goes through and like discusses like all of the specs. If you're really into like into that kind of hardware technical stuff. But um, some of the things that I thought was interesting is that he mentioned that the Xbox engineering team actually tried to look at existing game engines and identify bottlenecks in those engines and then design the hardware around that instead of doing it the other way around, which is which is typical. So they were trying to think about the way games are made currently and how they could build hardware to support how games are made now to kind of like increase the efficiency of those games. Um and then if you just like go down the laundry list, it's got like, you know, 4k Blu-ray, it's got 12 gigabytes of memory. It's got, uh, uh, let's see, eight, uh, CPU cores. It's got like 40 customized GPU compute units. And like all that stuff is tuned up, of course, um, above and beyond like even current gaming hardware that's available today. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's, I mean, the only reason why I, I would say that I am excited for this just because, I didn't want to wait to uh, like, I didn't want to wait a whole nother cycle, you mm. know, for these new systems to come out. And I was starting to really notice the gap between my console and my PC. And like, I don't even have a, a kick-ass gaming PC. I have like, you know, I have like a Honda Accord gaming PC. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's functional. It, it does well, but it's not going to like, you know. I wouldn't say you have a Honda Accord. I'd say you probably have more like a Subaru Outback you know, okay. PC. Yeah. I, I accept that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, okay, when, when you have a noticeable difference between your PC and your console, you're like, ah, I just kind of wish my console had a little bit more torque to it. And mm-hmm. this is, uh, I think going to fill that gap. So, yeah. So there, you know, a couple of, I guess to look at the flip side, there's still no word on what the price is, although there's plenty of, um, speculation on what the price of this machine may be. Yeah. Um, obviously everybody <laughs> at Xbox is, you know, intimately aware of the ramifications of what the the pricing structure of this would be. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it needs to be competitive against, you know, the, the PlayStation and even Nintendo to a certain extent, but they're not going to, it's not going to be $300 obviously, but you know, there are competitors in the market and that also includes the PC market too. And um, so, you know, if you price it too low, they're not going to make any money. You price it too high. It's going to kind of turn people off. So, um, so at what point though, though, do they do, I mean, I know I keep, hollering this the the iphoneification of of consoles but and i'm not saying this in a negative way but at what point do they do a sort of you know payment plan through your gold account 
to get your Xbox Scorpio. Oh, or just whatever. like a like, subscription device kind well, of. Because the the market is there, right? Like it exi- It sounds ridiculous for consoles and computers because it's not the way we've ever purchased them. Although if you've ever purchased one on like a Best Buy credit card, then it is absolutely the way you've purchased one. But like the idea that like I buy my iPhone, right? And I pay monthly for it mm-hmm. either through Apple or through your phone person or whatever. But that's a $1,000 phone that I purchase or 600 or an $800 phone. <laughs> right, yeah. right. It's not cheap. It's It's super expensive. And I basically tell some credit agency that at 0% APR, I still understand why they do this, but at like no APR, I'm going to pay off this phone every month. And like, I kind of am wondering, you know, with Xbox tiptoeing towards this sort of like, we can all assume it's going to be, let's say above $500. How's that sound? Sure. To, to be generic. For sure. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be above $500. At what point do they go like, look, we realize that, you know, a large portion of our audience isn't going to have, you know, 800 bucks on hand, but what if you add, you know, $60 a month to your, uh, you know, like, and it starts speeding up that process of being able to say like, Oh, well, and then we'll do a trade in program and then we'll do like this and this and this, like it kind of, it lends to doing that thing that phones do and phones do it very well without any of us really noticing or caring. And then it kind of gives Ash what he wants, you know, which is the latest and greatest console. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it gives like, the ability for you know myself maybe to stay on the one s for a while or jump in with a lower price point like i don't know i just feel like it's got a head that you can't just sell a console at the price of a pc and expect it to really sell super high i want to say that someone has attempted to do this before and it may have actually been the 360 uh later in its console life cycle i don't know if it was microsoft that was offering it if it was like a retailer like a target or a walmart or something but i, I think to the earliest example of this is the neo geo console oh <laughs> and really that is they dating do myself but neo geo when they came out with their console it was everything was at a premium price like the console itself was hyper expensive but you were literally getting arcade quality carts at the time right. mm-hmm. so it was the the most beautiful looking thing you'd ever seen we're talking like the mid to late 80s right maybe early nineties, but, um, it was, you know, just gorgeous, but no one, no one, I n- never knew anyone had one cause it was so expensive. So right. uh, th- that's kind of what they were going for. Just like blowing the socks off of all the other systems, but at this premium price. I, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea, but I don't know that Xbox, Microsoft can be the ones to, to suggest that at this point, like after they, don't sig- think they hold the market place well, enough to do it. Well, I mean, after they suggested something as ludicrous as uh, digital exclusive only downloads right. yeah. um, that like set the internet on fire and then, right. um, you know, kind of the open the door. The thing that we're all currently doing. Yeah. The thing that we're all currently doing PS, like if you walk into target and you see a, uh, a boxed copy of like Diablo three sitting on the store shelf, there's no disc inside the box. It's just a code right. that you enter yeah. into steam. Okay. So, now that we're <laughs> now that we're all past that and we're we're all happy now, um, yeah, I I don't know that they could come out and say that. Like maybe they could offer both as an option and go like, hey, oh no, I think they they'd have they have to offer both. Like you, they have to let you buy it outright. Mm. I'm just saying that like, you know, this marketplace I don't think has existed previous to right now. But Google sells their Pixel direct to you for sixty bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Apple sells their iPhone direct to you for fifty bucks a month. Like this this process of buying a very expensive piece of hardware and spreading it out over the lifetime of it. Cause it's not, it's different than buying a laptop, right? Like your Xbox, they're assuming much like your phone, you're going to sit at it every day. You're going to use it to watch Netflix. You're going to play video games on it. Like 
it's just a different thing. And I'm wondering if that market is opening in that way. That's all I'm saying. And yeah. who knows if it actually happens or not, but I think it's a great idea. It's, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I just don't, I don't know how a Scorpio that comes out and is, is definitely North of $500. It's either losing or making Microsoft $0, which seems unlikely, or mm-hmm. it's going to be priced at a point that's going to be hard for people to just jump on like an impulse buy, you know, for like sure, I yeah. impulse bought my one S for two fifty for Christmas. Like, and that's like, that's at the North end of me impulse buying anything mm-hmm. really. So yeah, understood. Understood. Yeah. Um, I don't know. some other things to mention is that they, uh, the video mentions that there was, um, you know, and they even show like a screenshot of the Forza engine running, oh, running on the Scorpio at like native, uh, 4k and 60 frames uh, per second. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's so really pretty. Yeah, and what it's <laughs> and and it they also mentioned that the GPU utilization is at like sixty six percent. Yeah, so that's insane. That means there's still a lot of room for for other things to happen. Um, the thing I I did read somewhere that I think that in order for a game to leverage some of that power, there will need to be a patch for that game. Um, right, right. But right. they would still like to. Yeah, so it took them two days to get Forza to run. Um, yeah, to, to fix for it. them to okay. to fix it to make it yeah. run at that resolution, yeah, yeah. which is not not a lot of time, right? And then everything is still supposed to be you know compatible with existing consoles, right? So I, at this yeah. point, they're not trying to shut anyone out. Of course, that could always change in the future, but as it stands right now, um, there won't be any quote unquote like Scorpio exclusives. You know, just like I, I'm pretty sure there aren't any PlayStation Pro exclusives, right? No, uh, I don't think they can, right? Like, I mean, I guess that's what I'm sort of saying is that it's not going to sell enough that a video game maker is going to be like, oh, I'll make just for the Scorpio because they won't make their money back. Mm-hmm. But like by shortening the life cycle, what I mean is that if this if the Scorpio comes out now, we've already shortened it, what, a couple years, Ash? Like from the 360 to the one? Yeah, yeah. We've shortened it a couple years. And then what that allows them to kind of do is leverage this OS that lets them have games on the one and the Scorpio and then they can introduce a Scorpio V2 like four years from now. Like it, mm-hmm. it starts letting them like shorten that life cycle down, 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 down until we get used to this idea that a new console is going to roll out every couple of years. And maybe technologically that's what we need because chips are changing at a speed that is like just way faster than the hardware is actually changing with it. Mm-hmm. So who knows? But like I don't think they're going to roll the Scorpio out and shut down Xbox one no game production. Like that's, that's an almost impossibility because a, they don't even have enough ones out there at the moment to be that kind of dominant. So thinking they're going to roll out an expensive Scorpio and then do that would be ridiculous. But I just think it will, it is the, it is the sort of like canary in the coal mine of like, well, this is where we're headed. We're going to yeah. start shortening this stuff down. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to remember also that the last time they had an E3, they really tried to push this idea of, of xbox as a as a platform and not a, a platform not a yeah. piece of hardware right and that's why you're starting to see um games that are uh you know play anywhere games that are available for and, xbox and pc which i think is a kind of a smart idea yeah and like you guys have shown me and i've done a couple times now like those games that do that are awesome and they look great on my pc and then i can play them on my xbox one and it's it's that's fun that's like there's no problem with that but mm-hmm. It's just one of those things, you know, you're like all right well i see and maybe to ash's point i think much earlier when this first came up it's like well, if you're, you'll pay a premium to be an early adopter, so that you can get the latest and greatest hardware. Right. But they're not going to like shut down, right? You know the the million installs they have on the oh, of course. Or and on that same note, like you you'll never see a PC game that says that it's like GTX 1080 exclusive. But on mm-hmm. the same note, like it probably helps to have that. And then oh, yeah. you know if you have like a 
like a 660 or something well sure you can buy the game like it might not <laughs> it might not be awesome for you but right. Yeah, um, right, right they would they would never deny how low can you turn those dials yeah, they would yeah. never deny you the 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 purchase they would never stop you from buying something right so it's always going right. to be available to you one way or another so yeah, yeah anyways there's much more to come i'm sure we'll learn much more at e3 but um if you are interested there's a, a video series um, from digital foundry that's available now that talks all about the scorpio hardware Indeed. Um, this is a very quick news update because this is actually going to go live tomorrow, but um, there is a new Overwatch event that is leaked called Insurrection, mm-hmm. which I think is going to make you guys very happy. It is um, a does flashback. It, does it give you an Insurrection? It gives me a oh, massive, boy. massive Insurrection. Okay. Um, Wait, is that, a, is that the... I don't know that I've ever heard Scott do a joke like that, like <laughs> out in front of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Make, da, make, a, da, make a dick da, joke. Da, da, yeah, it's usually prompted by Ash or something. I uh, know. Like, Drop the balloons. Yeah, whoa. I love it. I love it. But <laughs> um, so this is a PVE playable story event uh, in Overwatch. So it's a four-player co-op versus uh, versus all new enemy types. And it's uh, actually a story plucked out of the Overwatch um, organization's history where they're going into an area called King's Row and they're stopping a robot uprising. So you can play as... Uh, uh, Tracer and Mercy and Torbjorn and uh, Reinhardt on a on an away mission. So you, you can choose from one of those four characters. There's supposedly um, a bunch of new skins attached to the event. I think there's like eight or nine new um, new legendary skins and a bunch of uh, other epic skins and of course a lot of animations and all that fun stuff and uh, all new PVE content. So that's something we're gonna have to hop on there and play. That's so exciting. Wow, maybe. Uh... Maybe this week. Yeah, it'd be fun. So Insurrection uh, should be out tomorrow if this this French leak is accurate. Ah, so gotta love those French leaks. Those, those French, yeah. Uh, so the last bit of news we were going to talk about again isn't super newsy, but it is a thing that happened today. The Thor uh, Ragnarok trailer came out. Uh, Marvel released. It's like a minute and a half trailer. They called it a teaser again, which I'm I'm getting lost in what. It's like trailers for trailers and then another trailer. I don't like what is the definition very trailerish to me. This seemed super trailerish. Yeah. Um, And I don't know about you, Ash, but holy shit. Like uh, this is gearing up to be the most fun Thor that I think easily. That's a low bar. I get But like, holy cow. This is awesome. I liked the Thor films. Like I I didn't love, love the Thor films, but I liked them. Yeah. I keep saying that to everybody too, because everybody's like, "Oh, Thor is terrible; it's the worst." And I was like, "I don't think they're the worst in the Marvel series. Like, they're boring-ish sometimes, but they're they're not bad. Like, I thought they were fine for what they yeah, were. Yeah, they were fine too. This looks fantastic, though. Oh, it's definitely man. like very very Guardians esque, at least the the structure of the trailer. Yeah, you can tell the tone has shifted. That Guardians opened up this idea of like having a fun '80s themed romp through uh, through what is essentially Planet Hulk. Uh, will be so i like i i think it's pretty awesome they they reveal hulk at the end at the end of the trailer come out you see thor with his new haircut and you see all the battle armor and everything uh it looks uh, awesome yeah what's the the, um kate blanchett she's hella hella Hella, yeah she looks great like it I don't know. It just seemed like every character had a lot of life to them, and it seemed like that we're not going to just get a bunch of like nameless villains. And you know, it looks good. Like it looked 
pretty it, damn it good. It looked like it got a like a nice shot of like bubblegum adrenaline, right? Like it's just yeah. like it looks like the whole thing looked incredibly fun and like there was a lot of humor even in the trailer. Yeah. Like that when Thor sees Hulk and he's actually, you know, incredibly excited to see yeah. him. I know him. <laughs> and I love how the 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 those um those shorts that they did with with Thor where he's living with his roommate are fantastic because it kind of paints him to be like this bumbling like pompous asshole which I think is the best Thor and I think they're kind of carrying that over that tone and that personality into him in the in the actual film because he's just kind of you know he's so cocky and so full of himself and uh I think I think it's great to see him kind of taking down a notch getting his hair cut forced to fight in an arena it's pretty awesome yeah so if you haven't watched it yet you know, go watch the trailer. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it spoils anything, but it is a uh, super fun sets the tone for everything. The, the logo makes sense now. Like it all, it all works together. <laughs> so, cause the logo is very eighties, eighties uh, cyberpunk feeling. So, uh, but yeah, I loved it. Uh, I'm glad you liked it too. And, and I'm really, I do not remember you saying you liked them. I didn't think you disliked them, but I just felt like I was like on a lonely Island of what was the name of the second one? Because I actually remember leaving the theater and being like, that was awesome. And a lot of people uh, rank that as like the worst Marvel the worst film. One. Yeah. I actually I think really... Avengers two would be my least favorite, but, yeah, uh, sad. It was a uh, Thor, the dark world. Is that? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. you're right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I liked very, it. Can I ask a fun. question? A comic book question? Yeah. Yeah. Is the, is the, the tone of this new Thor, uh, movies that like on brand as far as like the comics go because i don't even know like really where that stuff goes i didn't anymore. read ragnarok so i don't know yeah I, I don't i didn't read it either i haven't read thor since like uh probably like 1989 uh, so fair enough and and i'll say that the the thing that they're pulling most heavy from is two runs on hulk called world war world war hulk mm-hmm. and uh planet hulk and uh i read planet hulk um, a bunch and yes and no like it, it's not super 80s like punk but um but they did seem to nail some of the hulk stuff from the little bit that you see him and the look and feel of that whole like gladiator world is pretty dead on okay but the thing is that like the way that those all happen in the comic books is very comic booky like i think hulk is on a spaceship like chasing after the Illuminati or something crazy. And then he crash lands ah, on a planet. And I then, see. so like, it's very like comic booky how that all gets set up. So it'll be interesting to see. I assume that no, it's Hera, right? Not Hela Hera. Oh, is it? I thought it was Hela. Is it Hela or Hera? Whatever. I'll be interested to see if Kate Blanchett's character is used to kind of catapult all this into action, which it looks like that's what's going to happen. Um, cause it'll be interesting to see how they bring everybody together. But, hmm. uh, but yeah, like I don't know that it's super on brand, but it I don't think it's like crazy off brand. Uh, Thor had this super weird run where he like quit being Thor for a while and it was kind of dark but also kind of funny. Hmm. And uh so yeah, I, like yes and no. I think that this is more this is more on the success of Guardians than it is I think from oh, okay. comic book world. Cool. So That's cool. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm Good okay. Stuff. Fun movies are fine with me. I'd, I'd rather watch a fun movie than yeah, like for a real. on on brand movie. Mm-hmm. I agree.
This is Freddie Prinz Jr. and you're listening to the Rated NA Podcast at nerdappropriate.com. Snake Pass, you guys. Snake uh-huh. Pass. It's from. It's a game from uh, Sumo Digital. We talked about it um, at PAX East. I played it at PAX and I, I knew I would like it right off the bat. It's got that kind of like that visual pop of a um, Banjo-Kazooie kind of game, you know, where everything's brightly colored. Um, yeah. As you may have guessed, the main character that you play as is is not a, a humanoid creature but actually a snake um a serpent a very, if you will. he's very happy-go-lucky looking yes he's very happy i think i think that and he has a bird companion and their names are doodle and noodle or noodle and doodle something like that um but the the concept of the game is really interesting because uh when you look at a game like this you think oh it's going to be like mario or banjo kazooie i'm gonna have to do you know, platforming challenges and just try to figure out how to collect all the coins and everything. And it's, that's kind of true. But the, in my opinion, the main challenge of the game is actually the, the maneuvering part of the game because it's a physics based game in which you play as a snake. And so it's not a situation in which, you know, you just jump to something or it's timing based. It's really like, I liken it more to almost like a skateboarding game where you need to kind of train your mind to do the right things at the right time. And it kind of takes a lot of, a lot of hand coordination in order to, to do all the things you need to do to do something as, you know, descriptively easy as like slithering up a pole or something, you know? Um, but doing that in the game requires a lot of like simultaneous movements, just like you would do in a skateboarding or a snowboarding game. And, right. um, that's kind of like, that's the secret sauce of snake pass. And I even said this at the time when we reviewed it at PAX East and I said, you know, I feel like I felt at the time, I felt like once I got a feel for how to move the snake and how to really become proficient enough at that, then the game would be really fun. And that's exactly what the case was. I've, I've played through about half the levels in the game. Um, and each level has, you know, three gems to collect, which get you to the next level. Um, there's also uh, a lot of like there's like 25 simple collectibles to find and then five like hidden coins. And so it kind of follows that formula of a, you know, platforming game where the, the goal is to do the collectibles and everything, but it just has kind of like a different experience than, you know, even a game like uh, Mario 3d or something like that. So um, it's, it's just, it's super fascinating just because uh, you know, in a traditional platforming game, you can almost, sort of constrain where the character goes like in terms of you know where they're able to go because you know how high mario can jump and you know how you know how far they can climb or how far like how far they can jump if they're running at full speed right and you can design levels around that but because this game is a physics-based game you can kind of sometimes bend the physics engine to your will to do things that i think were either not intended by the developer or maybe you know reserved by the developer for like people that are really trying to like cut corners and do like speed runs and stuff like that. So I think that, that part kind of makes it interesting because you shouldn't be able to do something like scaling up a wall with nothing to stand on, but sometimes you can do stuff like that. And it kind of, Mm. it kind of makes the levels behave in weird ways and kind of gives you, gives you different ways to do things. And there, some levels have achievements structured around things like that, but for the most part, you're meant to play the game kind of straight on. Um, A lot of the levels kind of almost are designed like, like, miniature golf course levels if that makes any sense you know it's kind of like you're just trying to kind of maneuver the snake and you have to think like a snake too so it's like you'll you'll come to 
a river with like a big, you know, series of branches sticking out of it. And you have to kind of like look at the branches and go, okay, how do I entangle myself around these branches to get through everything in order to get to the next part of the level? But the levels are kind of like semi-linear, but, you know, again, you know, the trick is not knowing what to do, but actually doing it with your controls in your hand. So, um, but that it's being really said, interesting. I mean, the mechanics are very unique. I mean, just watching you play a pack, so mm-hmm. I was like, "This is a, I've never seen this before in a game." You know? Yeah, and I, the I, fact that it is based around physics and you know the weight of the snake and the probably the objects that he's clinging to, yeah, are probably taken into account. It really, in my opinion, it really turns the genre kind of like on its head a little bit and takes a different approach to how how something like that can work. And in my opinion, I would kind of highly recommend this game i know we don't traditionally do like ratings or whatever but i would rate this game fairly highly um, just because of what they managed to do and and the fact that it's fun doing it once you really get a a handle on the controls and because you know there's different kind of tiers of collectibles if all you want to do is just traverse levels and proceed to the next one like you can certainly do that the other thing that i really appreciate about this game is that there are only 15 levels in the game and so it's not you're not making like a life investment like you do when you pick up a a modern Mario game where it's like, you know, 120 stars. And, you know, once you get those, there's like 90 green stars to find. And you're like, Oh my God, like, just please let this game end. You know, it's like, (laughs) like I can see, I can see the end of this game and like, I'm getting the right amount of fun out of this game before it becomes like, okay, too much of this. Right. So, um, right. But it's, it's, Oh, and the other thing, like, as a callback to our earlier conversation is that it's Xbox play anywhere. So um, I'm really stoked about that because the game looks awesome on PC. I haven't even fired it up on Xbox yet. I've only been playing it on PC, but um, with play anywhere, you know, you still get your achievements, you get access to, you know, the Xbox system. It logs you in with your account, all your progress is saved and so on. So um, love that feature. Yeah, It's such an awesome feature. And that was like, again, another great selling point for this game. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's challenging. I will say that probably the first time you pick it up, if you decide to play it, you're going to hate it because it's going to be hard, but you know, stick with it, learn the controls. Once you get the controls, you'll have a great time with it. Um, snake pass from sumo digital. I think it's available. They launched on like every single platform simultaneously, which is really impressive too, um, including the Nintendo switch. So you can get it anywhere. Um, so go ahead and check it out. It's a lot of fun. Snake pass. Sweet. Cool. Yeah. Looks like fun. Yeah. It's a fun game. Well, um, I wanted to talk just a little bit more about Mass Effect Andromeda now that the patch 1.5 came out. Yeah, let's do that. Um, have you gotten a chance to play since the patch dropped, Scott? Yeah, I did. I, I played uh, a little bit of multiplayer and a little bit of uh, of the single player as well. So did I. So first of all, you and I uh, played quite a bit of multiplayer since the last episode together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is is still super, super fun. I unlocked the, what is it, the Krogan Gladiator, the new melee class. And it was so the, Yeah, I, the was first it, first new character they dropped, uh, like, I think it was like two weeks ago. You got it. Yeah, yeah. So that, that I ended up getting that, and that was just a blast to run around with. We, you and I were comboing and doing all sorts of fun stuff. And it definitely recaptures, you know, the, Ma- the Mass Effect 3 magic that I think was there for, for a lot of us. So... Mm-hmm. That's good that that game is, you know, back in full effect and is still fun. So the, the multiplayer is fun. Um, I don't know, were there any significant changes in uh, 1.5 for multiplayer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were. There's You can go and find the patch notes, but really all the changes were uh, mostly made around balance. And um, this will not be surprising to anyone that is playing Mass Effect multiplayer currently, but the melee classes are kind of overpowered or have an advantage in the game. 
uh, mostly because of the synergies that you can create with the, the, your characters themselves. But then, um, also because of the fact that in that first week, they dropped a piece of equipment into the game, which is a permanent, uh, item that you can equip alongside your weapons now and this particular item gave you 75 percent melee damage and 10 percent shield boost which kind of makes your it can make certain melee characters almost unkillable in the game which kind of upsets the balance of the right, game like right. that so some things that they did is that they made the uh enemies sort of more competitive um your melee attacks are now interruptible so you can't just run up to you know like a, a hydra and just pound on it right they're going to stop you from doing that um, they made the, um, the, the annihilators more, um, what are they called? Is that the annihilator? Is that what they're called? The yeah. Rebel? Yeah. I think yeah. So. They made them more competitive too, in terms of like standing their ground and, and, um, kind of barricading you or, or boxing you in from, you know, from leaving a, a position. If you're hunkered down there, they're supposed to be kind of more aggressive towards you now. So it's kind of like changes like that. Most of them are too the uh enemies themselves from what i saw in the patch notes but yeah it's all it's all good stuff it's still a blast to play keeps you on your toes and um but i I think that's kind of the the most of it for multiplayer and they they made some changes to apex too but that's mostly app-based right and uh all the changes that i noticed for single player have all been uh really positive they they changed uh some of the facial stuff they added new eyeball animations to to all the humanoids uh which i think was important because they had kind of scary scary dead eyes before (laughs) yeah yeah. so uh it's definitely noticeable now it makes some of the conversations a bit more tolerable um and uh increased inventory space that that is such a big one because <laughs> I honestly, after every mission, I would have to go back and and delete stuff, and I had increased inventory already, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like this is ridiculous. Now I have not filled up my inventory, and it's much more manageable and like less punishing. I don't, I never understood that in games when they're like, nope, you can only have three yeah. items, and you're yeah. like, well, why? Like, why are you doing this to me? Like, well, what have I done to you? I can tell you why. I mean, a lot of people may not remember this, but in Mass Effect One, I think you had like an endless inventory or if not endless it was very high and um because in that game you could equip all of your party members with their individual weapons like you yeah. just kind of had like this gigantic bin of garbage and you were just sifting through it to find things to put on them um so like i've i've come to love the fact that you don't have to put weapons on your party members anymore and the fact that um you know the inventory is is small enough it's almost like a suggestion to say like hey you don't really need all that stuff but we'll increase it so that you don't have to come back to the ship after every mission to break everything down. Right. right? Yeah. And also it's like, you know, there's a, a number of different really incredible looking armor sets. Right. And each one is, you know, mm-hmm. either two pieces or four pieces total. And, um, you know, if you have such a limited inventory that you cannot collect the armor sets, that's just silly. It's like, well, why? Like, yeah, that's a bummer. You know, it's like I, I want to have different armor sets for different occasions. And especially since you can change your spec on the fly, you know, and be able to be able to switch your armor set out too at a, at a station is, is important. So, you know, there's certain sets that are good for like tech abilities and certain sets are good for biotic abilities. True. So it's, um, you True. know, Plus you don't, you don't have... want to give up stuff like that because it's almost like a personalization. Cause like you just want to, ha- you want to have the sets just as part right. of your collection, you know, and there's no, yeah, I found this no chest. Like, like right now I have, I'm rocking like a full Angaran armor set. Oh, those it's like are cool. all like, Mm. It's really, really cool. And especially since I'm mainly a tech build, it's like everything's bonus to tech and it just looks like super, super foreign and very, very awesome. So, um, you know, I would hate to have to just throw that out because I found something better down the road. So, absolutely. um, so that's cool. Um, you know, I'm really just to, to continue. I'm, um, still, still playing. I still have not beaten 
the the campaign. I don't know how people are beating it so quickly. I'm I'm many many hours in. I think I'm like level maybe 43, 44, somewhere around there. And uh, I, at this point, I've done all of the loyalty missions and uh, a number of the main storyline missions, but wow. I still probably have a few dozen um, <laughs> side quests uh, that I, I don't know if I'm going to do or not for a variety of reasons. But it, the game is like, I think if you did everything, it would be over 100 hours. I really do. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure as well. I spent a lot of, I went back to EOS at one point just to kind of like, look at the entire map and it's it's pretty large and there's not like from what i saw there's not a ton of quests to do out there but there were some surprise some surprises that i found when i was roaming around out there so i I don't want to spoil anything but it was uh it was kind of fun just to like get out into the into the open desert and just drive around and figure out what's going on out there yeah i mean there's the rate the rate i'm playing um i'd really love to talk to you guys about this in 2019 i guess (laughs) does that make sense for real for real I mean, it's a beast of a game, but um, you know what it boils down to is uh, I think it's going to continue to be patched. If you have any reservations about picking it up, um, I say I say at this point, go for it. I think 1.5 was a step in the right direction. Um, I would still advise people if you're getting bogged down with side stuff, don't do it. Stick to main story stuff. Stick to um, loyalty missions and and maybe quests that have chains that are really actually appealing to you. Um, from what I understand, you are not penalized for going back and doing certain quests after the main story is finished so you know play it for the story learn about the characters um i played like i said all the loyalty stuff and all of the loyalty missions are fantastic so may, do that. may i be the voice of the audience and ask some noob questions yeah of course sure of course yeah. all right since you two are are masters of mass effect uh <laughs> sure um so on eos let's say because mm-hmm. i'm very early and i should say that i am like super super early and only a few hours into the gameplay i've done eos at this point and left and gone back to nexus and i think that's really where i'm at okay yeah look for sure i did a lot on eos but i, I didn't do yeah, i haven't done much else so mm-hmm. on eos you get in your nomad you're driving around it tells you hey go pick up a memory button wherever yes. those are yep out in the middle of the desert and you're like okay and then you hit the desert and it's like this is a radiation three and you start dying immediately mm-hmm. Is the, do you upgrade your nomad at some no. point? Am I did I miss something? Is I'll tell there, you like, what that is. That's system? that's like that's like the hinterlands memorial radiation barrier, because basically <laughs> in Dragon Age Inquisition, what they were finding was was that like the first place you go to is called the hinterlands, and it's arguably one of the largest maps in the game. And what they were finding to their surprise was that people were reluctant to leave that realm. Because yes. they were worried that they were going to miss out on the opportunity to complete certain quests and things. So okay. their telemetry was telling them like, oh my gosh, nobody's actually progressing in this game because they're just doing all these side quests and and, uh, and they're, they're not actually seeing anything else in the game. So I, in my opinion, and I have no you know formal information to back this up, I think they implemented this like radiation system as a, a subtle... Uh, suggestion to be like, hey, leave this planet, go see right. other planets, and then we'll let you come back here later and do some stuff. But we really want you to see the rest of this game. So it's a leveling thing. It's it's just like, hey, at some point you'll level and you'll be able to come back and do this without issue. Yeah, basically, like the story will progress you to a point where they'll go like, okay, now you can come back here, and there's more uh, stuff to because do. The radiation will go down. Correct. I got Correct. you. Yeah. There so, you go. so really, okay. the idea is like they they want to avoid a repeat of the the hinterlands problem. Right. And they, they want to get you out there and get you comfortable, like 
roaming around and exploring planets and doing other things so you don't get bogged down in Got uh because that planet's pretty large too eos is pretty yeah, large yeah, yeah. oh yeah mm-hmm. question number two okay uh will i ever understand what research and whatever the other one is develop how to craft things <laughs> yeah sure uh, <laughs> yeah you will yeah the the idea is that um research uh-huh. will give you the opportunity to build something using development so okay um research uses like so you research to get like a blueprint yes, essentially yes. and then in development you build the gun that you thought you had already unlocked in yeah research. yeah that's the tricky part right is that like so like let's say you want the valkyrie <laughs> assault rifle which is the one i'm using so you yeah. use your milky way research credits that you gather right. from scanning things yes and you can unlock different tiers of that weapon so if you unlock it up to level three you'll then have blue blueprints for valkyrie one two and three and so you go to now you go to development you look for valkyrie three you find out what kind of like physical resources you need in order to build that weapon and that's that's your crafting basically so they basically just added one gate before actually doing the crafting part which is like kind of encouraging you to get out there and do all the scanning and uh that's level lock too so you can't just like rank a a weapon up to five because you need to get to like level 30 before you can unlock the the tier five gear so that's a story with that it feels very have you guys ever seen the uh, project management tree swing cartoon Mm -hmm. yeah yeah where it's like how the customer explained it and it's Mm -hmm. like three three swing seats and then it's like the project lead understood it as a swing that's going to hit the tree. And yeah. like, it's like all yeah. the different versions. It's like, yeah, yeah. That, it's what it feels like. It feels like six different versions of, of the product team and the design team and the development team I can got actually... involved. In the, and then the systems just like started overlapping. And then they're like Milky Way credits that build a blueprint that you build. the. And you're like, uh, like me as a non uh, <laughs> hardcore person looks at it and just goes like, what is <laughs> happening here? Yeah. So, the okay. the good thing is that you could, if you wanted to, you could just stick to shopping and, you know, you could put all your effort yeah. into selling in commerce. But, uh, the, the only other thing that you want to be aware of is, um, each, each like third of that menu. So like the different types of research credits, each section of that menu has, um, uh, uh, blueprints for augmentations. And yeah, those are different in the sense that once you research research them they kind of become unlocked in a sense um but you still have to apply them right like they yeah, don't yeah but you get you them can't, during crafting yeah but you get them back if you de- destroy the weapon you've crafted with it so okay. like you only research an augmentation one time once you do it you get it um you once you research something you also have the ability to find more of them just from looting out in the game and then if you build a weapon with one and destroy that weapon you get those mods back so Okay. What I'm trying to say is that one of the first things you want to do is try to unlock the mods from all the tiers that you find might be the most appealing to you because you'll kind of always have them with you. Um, so it's something something that you'll want to do. But yeah, um, is that research or development? Is, I don't remember. I don't it's know. but anyways, you only have to do yeah, it. One, I know you're. T- I know you're. T- I saw yeah. it in the menu. At you only some have point. to do it one time. Um, the last question is: Can you repaint the Nomad once you decide on a terrible color that yeah, you yes. now dislike? Yeah, yeah. You just do it the same place you do your loadouts when you go uh, okay. uh, on a mission. You just go all the way to the right, and you can Jesus change your skin Christ, on the. Massively unhappy with what I'm driving around in every time I get on a planet. Yeah, the the gold one is is fairly ridiculous, and that was the Ugh. the pre-order one. I ended up going with like yeah. there's one that's got like a nebula, like a galaxy painted on it. 
It's really uh, cool. Yeah, I like that. I'm one. currently using Blood Pack, which oh, is red cool. chrome. Yeah, yes. I like it. I mean, that's all right. Yeah, I think I have the gold you one can, or something. You I had can, two uh, options, and I went with the first one. There is a shop on the Nexus that only sells Nomad stuff, and that's where you can buy some some paint for your Nomad. Yeah. And you just swap it out when you go planet side, like Ash said. Yeah, like I mean, I know I didn't. I, I've still have to. I've yet to listen to some of the podcasts last week, but like I, I was complaining for a little while so i didn't really miss i don't think anybody missed out on me talking about mass effect last <laughs> week <laughs> let's put it that way yeah. uh uh i've softened a lot on it the patch definitely to echo ash's thoughts uh assuaged a lot of my nitpickiness with it like mm-hmm. it, you know some of the conversations were difficult and, it, and i get it stuff was rushed and shit happens but it doesn't make it any easier to play at certain times so you're just it was slow going for me and and uh you know, there's parts that are gelling a little more and I'm digging it a little more, but it is, there is a little bit of that initial worry that I had that is rearing its ugly head, which is like, oh, this game's a lot bigger and more complicated than like, than poor old Matt is ready to, to play with Mass Effect mm-hmm. sometimes. So yeah. and it's the same reason when I did try Inquisition, I fell out of it really quickly because it was just like, I don't know what 90% of is happening is going on. You know, like it's yeah. like. There's systems upon systems upon systems upon like things that you have to do and places you have to be. And I just never knew what the hell was happening. So, yeah, I mean, I don't feel as lost. Some of it kind of feels natural just because I'm used to Mass Effect. But it definitely like that. That crafting system is just it's like it it might as well be written in Japanese. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a little weird for sure. Yeah, yeah, that that part is weird. Uh, I've I've really come to enjoy just like driving around sometimes like even if i'm yeah not like objective focused or whatever sometimes like there's you know there's i'm not gonna spoil too much but anyways there's a, a cold planet right and just driving cool. around the cold planet is fun like i'm just gonna it is really that. cool i, I yeah. feel the, the aesthetic of that planet is really yeah. cool like it just feels right like yeah. the overall like look and feel of the ice the ice planet is just awesome mm-hmm. when are we gonna get a, a a sci-fi space game where planets aren't one thing each planet <laughs> i know like i feel like that's a problem with uh like mario <laughs> games too they're like this is the fire world and this is the <laughs> yeah, water it's world like, it's such a weird like star wars set it up for all of us and then everybody was like yeah that works it's just like an ice planet and you're like what <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> why does the planet have different climates it's, on it's it it's a good good plot device I mean, <laughs> and they're it's... also all like uh, like three and a half square miles <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like welcome to earth you're like this is a three mile earth yeah I mean such, to a, be, such a weird trope but to be honest with you I, I was driving last night and I was following um, I think I was following an objective on the ice planet and I started driving and I was like I got to where I needed to go and I was like okay cool and I was like went to the menu, clicked on the next objective, looked where it was on the map. And I drove to the edge of what I didn't realize was a mountain. And I looked down and it was like the, I had not realized how high I had driven up the side of a mountain (laughs) until I got to the cliff and looked down into the little village that was on the other side. I was like, Holy crap, this map is humongous and I'm going to die. Like I'm going to lose this vehicle. I'm not going to be able to get back to it because I'm going to fall down the side of this mountain. um, (laughs) It's just fun stuff like that. It has nothing to do with the game. It's just kind of like that, that planet works, works really well. I knew some of the exploration would be fun and I'm looking forward to getting to it, but uh and the yeah. conversation stuff is much is like once you get more into it, start talking to people, it gets a lot better. Yeah. Once they get you past that initial like, 
quote unquote hook of, of what starts the story. And like, I, I think that's why they try to get you off EOS too, just to be like, yeah, Hey, go, yeah, yeah. go do it. Go do some stuff. Hey, like go talk to your team and go yeah. do some stuff. Like it's, that's what it's this by game far is. the worst planet. I mean, I've been to most of them in the game now and mm-hmm. they, it is the worst planet to start yeah. players on. I don't know why they did that, but anyway. there's a lot of the, yeah, well, I mean, we can wait another time. Another yes, time. Indeed. Yeah, we're supposed to be talking about the updates, but that's, Neither here nor there. Did they but. patch uh, the AI combat too? Because I didn't get to fight New Cat, but there there was some some terrible AI combat on, on uh, EOS. I know they fixed that. it in multiplayer, and so I, I don't know. I, if I would imagine they probably fixed some of it. On, on I don't know if it spills maybe. over to the other side, but it's it's just kind of weird getting yeah. into a gunfight in an open world game just because of how you know you can't really set up like a like a funnel right to fight somebody right. through right you can you can yeah, drive yeah, up yeah. on the correct side or you could drive up on the back side and climb a <laughs> right. rock and and then all of a sudden yeah. the, the scenario is broken because now you're standing on a rock and you weren't supposed to do that but yeah, yeah. um that kind of makes it weird but i ended up using the the nomad as like mobile cover um you do get some upgrades to the nomad later or not too not too much later in yeah because it's not too great at the beginning like it is not blow up it is not but yeah. you can kind of reinforce it and even there's even an upgrade that puts a little uh temporary barrier shield around the nomad once you pop out of it so you don't just get lit up right away yeah kind of gives you a second to kind of get into position and use it for cover and then you can start fighting and then the whole thing kind of works a whole lot better yeah so anyways that's uh that's that i'm sure we'll continue to talk about this as we as we progress yeah yeah for sure Well, like i said i'll be playing for two more years so we'll we'll talk about it and we got (laughs) we got to get you on that multiplayer man it's it's fun yeah it's fun you probably do some this weekend probably sounds good yeah 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 cool uh, so to round it out today, we've got one last game. It's a mobile game yes. currently called Ticket to Earth. Um, it will be soon available on PC and Mac through Steam. It's on their Greenlight pro- program right now. Oh, cool. Um, and it's also uh, going to be available on Android soon. But right now it is iOS only. It is a mobile um, strategy RPG match three, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, and it, as Scott as Scott alluded to, it is it is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous game. It's built on the Unity engine. It's got sort of this faux, not faux. I mean, it is actually 3D, but you're not really interacting in a super 3D way. Uh, but 3D character models that that run around, and it basically takes place on a sort of apocalyptic Earth type setting where there's a jailbreak, and these criminals that break out of jail start murdering the townsfolk and you play as somebody who is going to try to take them down um, because the planet uh, earth that you're talking to uh, has lost contact and okay. they aren't, they aren't sending help. Um, the story is pretty good. It's, it's built made by an Australian company called robot circus. Um, and the story is pretty decent. Uh, it's not crazy engrossing, but the actual play is some of the most fun I've ever had on a mobile game, probably wow. period. That's uh, awesome. I picked it up because it was on sale. I got it half off for $1.99. The full price is $3.99. It is episodic, so you're only getting episode one. They're planning to do four episodes. Hmm. Um, this first one lasted me three weeks of commuting. So I play like almost an hour a day on my phone, probably. Okay. Uh, and I was playing this for probably an hour a day for about 15 days. So I got probably about... 15 hours of, of actual gameplay and I hundred percent at everything you could do in it. That's awesome. Um, so basically this, you are one of two peacekeepers. A uh, second one joins in eventually and you actually move two people around the board at a time. There's a grid that gets set down in front of you. It's got four separate colors on it. So there's like an eye, a heart, 
a uh, gear, I want to say, and a something else. They're, it's like purple, yellow, red, and blue. Um, each one of those links to a power that your character has. So yellow is like a melee attack. Uh, blue will power your one of your specialties, which is either yellow or purple. And then purple is like uh, multi, multi-attack, like, you know, could be ranged, could be melee. And then red is a healing heart, so you, you gain some healing from it. Um, so you move around by connecting the same color. You match three, you know, connect the same color, and that's how you move around the board. And it, it becomes kind of a grid-based strategy RPG at that point. So you'll move around, and you can do an attack. And then uh, the further you move, you will unlock these justice coins. And when you collect 10 justice coins, you can do, like, kind of a super move. Mm-hmm. But each board's limited in how many of those you can unlock. So you can only unlock, like, three or four of them per board. Oh, okay. Uh, so that way you, you, you're not like constantly charging your justice move it is crazy overpowered. It will wipe out almost every character on the map every time you use it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it just, it's one of these games that they figured out how to like mash up a couple of mechanics and just make a really like smooth playing, really fun, mobile, super mobile friendly game. Like it is super easy to play on your phone. I played it on my iPhone plus, but it's not like I could see you playing it on your regular iPhone 6 or 7 or whatever, and it, it would be fine. Um, the different characters have a really nice feel. So the main character you start with is a melee character, and she picks up a ranged move eventually, but it's mostly melee. And then the other character you pick up is a ranged character. They play completely differently. Um, you'll play boards separately as each one of them. Sometimes you'll play with the two of them on the same board. Uh, it just depends on which match you do. Um, and playing as that is really fun. And then it gets even crazier. There's a skill tree that you can do. So there's a full skill tree to spec your character out and it diverges and like converges a couple different times. So you can be like, oh, I want this guy to be really agile and I'm going to buff up his you know, health so that he won't get killed super easily. Or you can make him kind of generalized and just buff everything out at once. Um, you're allowed to respec in the game. I think it costs a little money, but in-game money. But um, uh, but you can respec if you don't like what you ended up doing with them. Then on top of that, there's weapons you can purchase for each character <laughs> that buffs them wow. that way. And then on top of that, there are special moves that is a special move like tree that you can buy and switch in and out per match. Um, the art, two looks, different the art looks great in this game too. By the, the art way. is yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's two different kinds of enemies in the game. There's a robot, like well, there's many kinds of enemies, but there's two different like uh, groups of enemies. There's mm. robot enemies and then there's human enemies. And you'll have moves that that specialize against the different kind, and so you can switch out your. It's kind of it gets crazy because you'll switch out your moves between matches based on who you're going to fight in the next match. So if you know it's going to be, it'll tell you if it's going to be like robot heavy. You might switch out some of your main character's moves to be like more robot focused. If it's going to be human heavy, you might pick out more things that'll like make them bleed or burn and stuff like that. Um, and then once you've gone through the story, and I want to say there are. 15 story maps that might be overestimating, but not by much if it is mm-hmm. and 10 to 15 story maps there's also 15 what they call justice matches which is just challenge matches that you can play through um, and there and then each one of the story maps has four different objectives and each objective you get unlocks a coin that helps you in your skill tree that like lets you up your skill that's crazy man so the game is insanely in depth like i'm truly blown away by the amount of depth for a mobile game that that this this has inside of it and then the fact that it's it's so strategy heavy on top of this kind of match three mechanic 
uh, ends up working really well because there was plenty of matches where I found that, um, you know, like the challenge was I needed to take out four guys at one time. Well, so I would just be running around the map, like waiting for four people to appear until I could get like a good lineup so that I could take four out at once. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you'd find yourself doing things strategically to, to get the actual challenges that were set forth in front of you. Um, and then all of the maps end up being replayable once you beat the story. You can just, I mean, you can do it at any point. But as you're playing along, you can replay every match to do all the challenges. You know, certain challenges will only be unlocked, really only be doable once you've leveled up your character a little bit. Oh, okay, yeah, um, I get it. There's, there's bosses inside of the game. So there's two different boss matches you do, uh, and both of them are pretty engaging and fun and super challenging at first, and then get significantly easier as you go. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly like it is it is just a really great game. It's got a good bit of personality and it plays super, super smoothly. So I hope that was coherent enough to be recommendable. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, the, the, the game's called Ticket to Earth. It is three ninety nine right now and it's, it's iOS only six ninety nine on iOS right now. Oh, Jesus. Is it six ninety nine? now? Yeah, I just checked. Did they add the second episode? Uh, I don't know. I just looked up the, the price while you were talking and it looks like it currently is six ninety nine. Maybe because they, it was three ninety nine. It's listed as three ninety nine on their site still. Uh, oh, weird. Maybe if there's um, what, maybe when episode two comes yeah. out, they might maybe they'll do like another sale or something. But still looks. I mean, it looks great. Yeah, it's really good. Six ninety nine might be pushing my recommended limit. Mm-hmm. At a dollar ninety nine, it's an absolute immediate buy. Like there's there's almost right. no question in in whether you should buy this game or not. At three ninety nine, I think it's definitely still recommendable. Uh, at six ninety nine, we may be. Oh yeah, they haven't released. That's that's a little high. At six ninety nine, we're pushing the boundaries. But it, as I just said, it is a super in depth, tons of content game. Uh, that price would really depend on whether you get the second episode or not. Because mm. um, if it's seven bucks every episode, that might be a little high. Uh, yeah, we just have to wait but, and see what they do with the episodes, as far as that goes. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, if you if you've got you know the cash laying around or a gift card or something, you want to try something out, or you're looking for a game. The other thing that's a big bonus to me and anybody else I know that commutes, this game does not require network. So once you're playing, mm-hmm. if you go around, you can keep playing. There's no no stopping you. Um, that's cool. That's nice. That's a good feature. And yeah, and once you buy it, there's no in-app purchases at all. So the thing you buy is the thing you own, and and everything you do inside of the game is is included. Cool. So uh, cool. yeah, ticket to Earth definitely recommended it's it's a uh, really really fun sweet sweet we did sweet. it oh, we did it all right uh, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 268 of the reddit NA, rated na podcast as always you can find us on twitter and that's at nerd appropriate you can email us directly and that is matt scott or ash at nerdappropriate.com. we have a facebook page which is slash nerd appropriate on facebook uh, twitch tv slash nerd appropriate and uh, we will be at star wars celebration this week um at uh 12 p.m on thursday so if you're at celebration come say hi watch the show we'd love to say hi to you um and other than that we'll be back next week with an all new show bye bye I hear you, man. I'm tired. You guys are, yeah.
We better call oh. in uh, not so funny hobo Joe to to take over. Old Gus. Oh, oh, old Gus. Oh, okay. Hey, okay, let's try. Uh, and it's not not so funny. It's not too funny. Oh, not too funny, old Gus. You don't okay. want a not so funny hobo Gus. You want a not too funny hobo Gus. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> 